You know, it all starts with prayer. I'm going to say that again. It all starts with prayer. prayer. Yes. Um, I was brought up in a Christian home, <coughs> taught how to pray. Um, but it wasn't until uh, my first year of um, nurses training in the hospital in London that I began to ask God, um, do you want me to pray for other people? Or um, how can I learn to pray? Up to then, I realized all my prayer had been for myself. Please help me pass my exams. Uh, please let me get into the hospital that I want to get into. Please help me. And finally, I tumbled to the fact that maybe God wanted me to pray for other people. I prayed that prayer. I can remember it very vividly. And within a few days, somebody gave me a piece of paper. Uh, I was going to say photocopied. But do you know, this was so long ago, there weren't any photocopiers. (laughs) It was something called mimeograph. And you don't know what that is. But it's like a very fuzzy photocopy. And on the top it said, Turkey Resume. And I thought, Turkey, isn't it? What on earth is that? And I realized I didn't really know where Turkey was. In those days, we, you know, we didn't travel like you do now. And um, I had to go to the library and pull down books on Turkey. Uh, because as soon as that person gave me this paper, I began to read through it. It happened to be a prayer letter from OM, Operation Mobilization, on Turkey. But as soon as I received that, God said to me, learn to pray for others through praying for Turkey. Will you do it? And something in my heart said, yes, (laughs) I will. I will find out about this nation, even though my heart was set on going to India. And I didn't understand that about it. I'd been thinking a lot about India. But to cut a long story short... I began to pray regularly for Turkey. And as I, as I began to pray, I saw different names that appeared from month to month. Um, one of those names happened to be George. And I prayed for this George um, because he was one of the first people to go in with OM uh, into Turkey. This was 1965. 1965. <laughs> and... Um, So I began to pray. Little did I ever know that I would meet George, this George, um, a few years later, um, end up marrying him, and uh, not... Well, I did go to India, but India turned out to be a stepping stone to Turkey. (laughs) So why do I tell that story? When you begin to pray for something, God begins to move not only in what you're praying for, but he begins to pray to, to move in you as well. And uh, that's the exciting thing about prayer. And I just want to talk briefly this morning about prayer that opens doors, because it does open doors. Um, so we're going to look at three doors and the prayer that opened them.
We've got prayer that opened a people group, an unreached city, and a woman's heart. And these are all just little snapshots from the past few decades that uh, George and I have been working amongst um, Turkic peoples. And so the first people I want to look at is a, a tribe of Turks called the Mesketians. Now, has anybody ever heard of the Mesketians? Stephen and Acklin have, yes. <laughs> they, they were, uh, they are and were a group of Turkic, uh, Turkic peoples with Turkish very similar to our Istanbul Turkish. And they lived in Georgia. You know, all the Turks migrated from Mongolia and uh, Western China. And they stopped off along the way. That's why you get Turkic peoples in Kazakhstan, in Uzbekistan, in all the Stans, and then right into Europe in parts of the Soviet Union. And then, of course, most of them stayed in Turkey. Um, so these Mesketians lived in Georgia. But uh, under Stalin, um, just before the, the Second World War started, or just at the end, really, I should say, he moved them all out and had them deported because Stalin came from Georgia. And here you see a map. Um, I don't know. Well, there's, there it is. They come from a park called Krasnodar, uh, which was Georgia. And Stalin did not want Muslim people in his part of the Soviet Union. Um, so he had them deported in cattle cars right across Central Asia. And most of them, uh, over a 100,000 of them, uh, were packed into these cars. Uh, they tumbled out into the snow in Uzbekistan. And the Uzbeks, who were their cousins, <laughs> said, have you come to eat our bread? Don't come here. And they actually dug themselves into the snow to keep warm and to survive. Many, many died, I have to say. Uh, the rest that lived were put to forced labor uh, under the Soviets in Uzbekistan, and many died. After communism fell, um, many of the deported tribes out of the Soviet Union began to drift back. So we get the Tatars into Crimea, and the Mesketians began to come back to Georgia, but they weren't welcomed. <laughs> And so this Mesketian group of people um, had really nowhere to go at all. And there were at least 350,000 of them in Krasnodar. And we began to pray for them because we had encountered them in Kazakhstan when we lived there and other Central Asian republics. And we found them to be a very particularly hard-hearted people. Even though we could communicate with them because of our Turkish, and their Turkish was very similar to ours, we found them very hard. And was it not to be expected because they had suffered much and their hearts were hardened against people and everything? And yet we began to pray and we said, Lord, we don't know how to get through to these people. We don't know how to reach them, but you know. And then do you know what happened? <laughs> In 2004, oh, sorry, 
That was too fast. <laughs> um, 160,000 of this tribe of 350 were welcomed to the USA. America opened its doors to have them there. And we soon began to receive um, um, emails and letters from our prayer partners all over America saying, do you know who we're meeting? Mesquitean people. Do you know who my child is going to school with? Some Mesquitean children. And suddenly, 160 Mesquitians were in America, wide open to be reached for the gospel. And that all came about because we began to pray for an unreached people group. Now, I think I've left them on my chair. Um, Oh, we know, here they are. Dear Jeremy and Laura, as you know, are going to Kenya. And uh, in in our recent prayer time with them, uh, we went round praying for these unreached people groups all Muslim people groups who are going to be living very near them. And I, George and I took all of them, so because we've been praying for them. Uh, but if anyone would like, this is a start, isn't it? All these tribes are unreached. All these tribes are Muslim people. And Jeremy and Laura, with God willing, will be going to live very near them and have a heart for them. If anybody would like to take one of these tribes and start praying, wouldn't that be an amazing thing to see what God does? Okay, so here they are. If Come and get them here afterwards if you want one. Okay, moving on. An unreached town or city in Kazakhstan. Now, this is a great story, and most of it is George's story, not my story. But it's a town called Chunja. Can you all say Chunja? Chunja. <laughs> it's, it's right on the Chinese border. And um, God put this uh, town on George's heart when he visited Kazakhstan. Um, especially, we were beginning to get interested in going to Kazakhstan to, to reach the Uyghur people. Now, most of the Uyghurs, as you know, live in China. And... As you know, they are being terribly, terribly um, oppressed. Uh, but some of them live in Kazakhstan, and so we were reaching these Uyghurs on, on the Kazakh-Chinese border. Um, George uh, was, went to Almaty, uh, which was then the capital of, of Kazakhstan, and he was invited to come to a Uyghur house group in Almaty to speak. Now... Actually, they had asked somebody else from England who was a friend of ours, but his plane had been diverted and he never got there on time. So they asked George, would you come and fill in? So George said yes, and um, he went along to this little house group and he realized, well, you should be telling this, George. Um, He realized, oh, they're all women. (laughs) And so what am I going to talk to these women all sitting on the floor? Um, and God put on George's heart the story uh, in Luke of um, when Jesus and his disciples were passing by and Martha and Mary and Lazarus' home was there. And Martha opened the, the door and invited Jesus and the disciples in. Now, most of the time when we think about that story, 
we think about how Martha was in the kitchen serving the food and getting it ready and Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet and we all know that part of the story. But the part of the story that that George uh, was alerted to as he looked at those women was who is going to open their home to Jesus? Martha opened her home to Jesus. Mary would never have sat at the feet of Jesus if Martha had not opened the home, you know. So we all have our part to play, don't we? Whether it's Martha or Mary. Um, but at the end, uh, a woman stood up and said, I will open my home to Jesus. Now, George had no idea who that woman was. But after the meeting ended, um, the missionary who was in charge of that little meeting said to George, you, you know who this woman is? Um, she had traveled in four hours from Trinja on the Chinese border to Amaati um, because she was very worried about her daughters who were getting involved with Christianity. And she had come to find out what it was all about. Um, so she was sitting in the meeting there, but God touched her heart. And she was the one that stood up and said, I will open my home to Jesus. Now, that would have been fine, wouldn't it? That would have been great. But there was no church in Chunja, no work going on there at all. There wasn't even a mosque. Um, these people mostly were, you know, pre-Islamic, a lot of um, shamanism and um, folk Islam uh, the, of these people. So George explained to the missionaries who were in Armati, I'd love to bring a short-term team back and uh, go to Chunja. And they said, yes, that would be a really good thing to do. Um, and what's more, we'll start praying. We will start praying, they said. It's wonderful when people can work together. And the YWAM team there, uh, every week, they from from February when George went until April when we went with the team, they went out to Chunja and prayer walked the streets and they prayed. And so when we finally got there, and we had a good team of 16 people, Russian speakers, Chinese speakers, Turkish speakers, uh, it was a good team. And um, we got there and the, the authorities said, you are not permitted to be here. This is a restricted part of Kazakhstan on the Chinese border. You are not, you don't have the permit. So what should we do? All we could do was pray. <laughs> we had, uh, we had arranged to stay in the hospital guest house. And, um, we, for the first, how many days? Eight days. First eight days of us being there, all we could do was pray. And we prayed and we prayed. <laughs> and we began to notice that outside the guest house was a bench. And the people coming into the hospital would sit on this bench. So we sent out, we had some Uyghurs with us, some Uyghur speakers. We sent them out to sit beside them. And it, we were, in the end, we called it Salvation Bench. Because we saw people come to Jesus just sitting on that bench and they were talking to them. Finally, 
uh, after eight days, the authorities, uh, you had to go every day to the police station, didn't you? Uh, they said to us, you are not allowed to leave this place. We have sent your passports to Arma Arti. We said, hallelujah, they're not going to send us out. They're going to keep us here. And after that, we were allowed to go out on the streets. And we began to have street meetings. And we began every night to show the Jesus film in different homes. And we saw many respond to Jesus. You know, I wonder cry even as I think about it. Um, we had amazing meetings with these people. Uh, many, many were demonized. We saw many de- people delivered at that time. And you know, these Turkic peoples, they're very open about demons. They know they are demonized. They, they know it's, they were telling us what demon was in so and so and so and so. And we were able to see them go. At the end of our time, three weeks there, and by the way, Paul planted a church in Corinth in three weeks, so it is possible. <laughs> and um, so we thought, well, we're, we are getting ready to leave now, but what are we going to leave behind? Is there a place where these people can meet? Um, there were two teachers who were obvious, who had come to know the Lord, a couple, and they seemed to be able to lead uh, with the help of others who would come for Arma Arti. And we said, we've got nowhere to leave. So George suddenly thought about this lady in Armaati, and here she is. Oh, well, that's what's the, the asking, the seeking, and the knocking on the door of heaven for Chunja, we, and all the prayer that went into it. And here is Turahan, who opened her home and town to Jesus. And we went to ask her, um, would you mind if we used your house for a meeting? And she said, why are you coming to me and asking that? She said, didn't I tell you back in Almaty I had opened my home to Jesus? So we said, yes, we remember that. And um, she opened her house to Jesus. And she is still going on strong. She's our age. She's 77 years old. She's the same age as us. And um, she is still going on strong. And she holds women's meetings and ladies' meetings. And now that town has heard the gospel. There are different towns all around along the Chinese border who are also hearing the gospel. Little fellowships being planted amongst the Uyghurs there. Praise God. (laughs) This woman did it. But God used the prayer of many, not only our prayers, but all those who joined together to pray for this one unreached city. And there are many, many in the world still unreached. So then the way to a woman's heart. (laughs) You can see that lady there who's got her arm around me, who, um, with the heart on her, okay? <laughs> she was my neighbor in Ersterday. Um, oh, sorry, you don't know what Ersterday is. <laughs> um, the place where we lived <laughs> in Turkey. Um, and when we moved there, she lived right opposite. She had been married to a lawyer and was a widow 
but a very, very influential person in the community. Uh, we call those kind of people gatekeepers because they open the gate to different communities. Um, but she did not like us. <laughs> she, she was very suspicious of us. And uh, I think she knew at once what, what we were there for. We were Christians. And, and yet she was such a, an influencer of the community. And we didn't know exactly what to do. One of the first things she said to us was, um, my daughter wants to become a Christian. Will you help her? Immediately, oh, that's a nice question, isn't it? But no, we, we knew at once she was sussing us out who we were and what we wanted to do there. You know, working in Turkey, it, 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 it's not a free country. Um, we do have certain freedoms, but we do have to be careful as well. Um, so I said to the Lord, Lord, how can I pray? for Nevin. Her name was Nevin. And the Lord said, I want you to start blessing her. Okay, blessing her. And really, this is what I want to end with, um, what I mean by blessing. And we read that we are a royal priesthood. We all know that, um, we all know that verse in 1 Peter what does it mean to be a priesthood? Well, if you go back to the Old Testament in Exodus, we read, at that time, oh, what's gone wrong? No. Okay. At that time, the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the ark. There's three things here that he set them apart for, to carry the ark of the covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord to minister and to pronounce blessings in his name as they do today, the writer said. The tribe of Levi, the priestly tribe, carried the names of the tribes of Israel on, their, on them as they went into the Holy of Holies. And to, they stood there to minister to the Lord. But first, it says, they carried the Ark of the Covenant. In the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. So they were God presence carriers. They were sanctified. They were holy. They were set apart to for the ministry. And we also can be God carriers, carrying the presence of God. And as they went, they stood before the Lord to minister to him. They brought the children of Israel. Lord, would you pray, would you please answer our prayers as we pray for these tribes, your children? Now, we all do that. We do that, don't we? But what they came out, so they were standing before the Lord with the children of Israel and as they left the presence of the Lord, they, they walked out backwards. And then they turned around and they faced the children of Israel and they blessed them. They blessed them in the name of the Lord that they had been ministering to. And I think that's something we often forget to do in our prayers. Yeah. Um, 
And so back to Nevin. No, there's one other thing too. And just to help us in this, when we don't know what to pray for people, um, as I began, as I was looking at the blessings of Isaac and Ishmael and all that, I was going through them and I've noticed that several things come up in the blessings. And if we don't know how to pray for people, how to bless them, think of these five Ps. You can always bless with peace, perseverance, provision, protection, and presence. And actually, last night, with yesterday evening, we were on an international prayer thing we have, and um, someone said, uh, prospering, too. So that was another P as well. So um, uh, as, as I began to ask the Lord how to pray for my neighbor, Nevin, I would look down from my bedroom window, and she was in her garden, and, let, and I, the Lord would fill my heart with things to bless her with. And it was provision, and it was protection, and it was this and that. And do you know, within two or three months, her heart changed. <laughs> her heart changed towards, didn't it, she? She said to me, you are the best neighbors I've ever had. You're better than any Turkish neighbor, she said. <laughs> Um, and so she became really a wonderful friend and indeed a gate opener to the community we lived in. Um, I had my 70th birthday there and she went round uh, with me to all the neighbours and everything, inviting them all. And it was a wonderful birthday party I had there. Um, but, you know, it was blessing her heart that opened that door. So... Ask God to lay a people group on your heart and covenant to pray for them every day. You'll be surprised what what happens. Then you can put feet to your prayers. You can join a prayer team here, uh, I mean a prayer group here um, for the nations, but also you could go on a team to pray somewhere. Um, And then learn the power of blessing. Watch how God opens up hearts, including your own heart, (laughs) because it always blesses your own heart. And I end with one last verse, 1 Corinthians 16, 9. Paul writes to the Corinthians, pray for me, for a great and effective door for ministry has been opened to me. And there are many who oppose me and many adversaries. The open door is, I was going to say, always or almost always accompanied by opposition. Note that he doesn't say, but there are many adversaries. No, he says, and there are many adversaries. It goes together. Open doors have opposition. Um, But this was a door that God opened for Paul. Arguably, the greatest door he opened for his biggest ministry. Because who knows what door Paul was talking about here. Okay, well. No, it was Ephesus. 
He was, he had gone to Ephesus. He's been, pray for me. There's a huge, wide, open door here. And there are many Ephesus. Now that, that Ephesus ministry, uh, we are later to read. He said, the word has gone out to everybody in Asia Minor. Everybody in Asia Minor, which is Tur- Western Turkey, has heard the gospel. And Ephesus was where he found Timothy. And um, um, uh, not yes, Luke, he did find Luke. And the tent maker couple. Uh, Priscilla and Aquila, thank you, yeah. Anyway, so uh, that was a, that was a great door. But what we learned from this is um, he went for it. Many were the adversaries, much was the opposition. When, and we all know that verse, when Jesus opens the door, who can shut it? No man can shut it. But it doesn't mean to say we'll go through it. But if Jesus opens a door, he'll keep that door open. He might open it for you. Don't be the one to say, don't, don't go through it. He'll, someone else will go through it because he opens the door. Um, so if there's an open door for you, make sure you go through it. Okay. That's it.